At this time, I'd like to invite you uh, to open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. As I was thinking uh, through the Christmas season, uh, thinking about God's plan of salvation, and in some ways the, the absurdity of it all, that the king of the universe would come to earth as a little baby and not born into a, a rich uh, palace, not born as and recognized as a king, but born uh, lowly and humble. And so much of what we read in the Christmas story, as we read it, we think, man, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have chosen that way. And it got me to thinking about, as we read in the passage in 1 Corinthians this morning, how the wisdom of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And even as Paul said, the foolishness of God, if there is such a thing. If you could take the, the lowest rung on the spectrum of God's wisdom and say, okay, that's foolishness that is yet so far above the wisdom of man. And that got me to thinking about wisdom and just even as we look around at, at our world, at our society today, and as we think of entering into a new year, how do we go into this new year? What are our expectations? What are our goals? What are our ambitions? And my, my mind just continually returned over and over, even as we were thinking of entering into the new year of, wow, how much we need God's wisdom to face the things that we face. The, the, perhaps it's the, the difficulties that we face in our own family. Perhaps it's health issues or crises that, that may come up during this year. Or perhaps it's how do we handle a, a, a difficult situation in the workplace or with a neighbor? How do, we, how do we interact with people? How do we share the gospel with them in a way that maybe doesn't create an unnecessary offense, although we know that the gospel carries its own offense? So how do we, how do we walk that line with, with wisdom and with balance? And as my mind was thinking about these things, God directed my attention to the book of Proverbs. And of course, we know that the book of Proverbs is, is part of uh, a category, a genre of literature in Scripture called wisdom literature. And the Proverbs itself, was many of them were written by Solomon, who was known to be the wisest man who ever lived. Yet even in that we look at the way Solomon lived his life, and for all of the wisdom that he had, he did not always apply that wisdom in the right way. And we see that at the beginning of his life, he was following the Lord, but yet when we read in First King, it said Solomon loved many foreign women, and they turned his heart away from the Lord. So as we look and launch into this new year of 2023, I want us to consider what Proverbs has to tell us about God's wisdom and how we can apply 
our hearts and our lives to wisdom so that as we enter into this year and as we go throughout this year, we are not just simply wandering or or erring aimlessly through the year, but we can have our eyes with, and our minds and our hearts with a laser focus on what God has for us and what he wants us to do. So this morning, as we look at this section of scripture, we're, we're obviously not going to be able to go through the entire book of Proverbs, nor through the first three chapters, but I want us to draw our attention to certain parts of Proverbs, uh, the first three chapters of Proverbs, And we're going to look a little bit and talk about how Proverbs shows us the way of wisdom. Now, I imagine you're all familiar with the book of Proverbs, uh, but we do want to highlight just a few things. Uh, First of all, what is wisdom? When we talk about wisdom, what do we mean? Well, wisdom is different than simple intelligence or knowledge, which is knowing a lot of information, a lot of facts. But wisdom is really, it's a mix. It's a blending of knowledge, of experience, and good judgment. It's the ability to properly apply one's knowledge in a given situation. And so it's important that as we we think about wisdom, it's not just knowing truth, God's truth, but it's knowing how to apply God's truth in the particular situation in which we find ourselves. So we want to ask three questions this morning about wisdom. And we're going to find the answers to these in the first part of each one of the first three chapters of Proverbs. The first question is this, why is God's wisdom so important? The second question is how do we obtain God's wisdom? And then thirdly, how and why should we value God's wisdom? Now, if you have a bulletin this morning, you'll find a half-page handout in there. Uh, It has these three questions on here, and it will help you as we follow along. Uh, So I invite you, if you haven't grabbed a bulletin or one of these handouts, there should be some out there in the Welcome Center. Feel free to to grab one of those if if you feel that it will help you follow along. And you'll notice that we've got uh, the... See, I always hesitate when I do handouts, especially when there's blanks, because oftentimes I get distracted and then I miss the blank and then I'm, I'm trying to look over and, and figure out what the blank is. So we have this on a PowerPoint as well, so you should be able to follow along and be able to fill in these blanks. But let's, let's look at these three questions. Why is God's wisdom so important? How do we obtain God's wisdom? And how and why should we value or should we pursue God's wisdom? So first of all, why is God's wisdom so important? Let's read the first seven verses of Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to find out the answer to this question. Here's how Solomon begins the book. He says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, 
So in these first six verses, Solomon is kind of laying out the purpose statement of this book. Why is he writing this book? Why is he compiling all of these Proverbs? And why is he giving these initial discourses that he'll give from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 9? What is the purpose of all of this? He says it's to know wisdom and instruction. But where does this wisdom and instruction come from? Because really, when you look at the world, when you look at society around us, there are many different wisdoms. And oftentimes, there are are many contrary wisdoms. And especially as you look at people from different backgrounds and different cultures, uh, they'll see things different ways. Uh, This stood out to to my wife and I when when we were overseas and ministering in Africa, because in Africa, they love Proverbs. They have these Proverbs and these sayings for every situation. And, but many times we would hear Proverbs that seemed to be kind of the contrary of what we were used to hearing. I'll give you an example. So many times in our culture, uh, we encourage people to stand out, right? To, to be different, to be unique, to embrace what makes you you, to, to stand out from the crowd, to not be afraid to be different. But yet when we were overseas, we would hear Proverbs that went something like this. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. (laughs) Or I read one that was a, a Chinese proverb that said, the rafter ends that jut out from under the roof will rot first. So you have contemporary wisdom, but yet this wisdom can be in opposition one to another. So what wisdom do we choose? How do we know what to listen to? All you have to do is ask someone for an opinion on, on a particular matter. It can, be, it can be medicine, it can be politics, it can be sports, it can be whatever domain you choose. You ask somebody, and they're going to give you their opinion. But then you ask somebody else, and you're probably going to find many different opinions. So we, oftentimes we ask ourselves a question, well, what's right? Which should I follow? You think even in the, in the financial world, in, in, in the world of investments and things like that, you, you constantly have different wisdoms and different people will say, no, invest here or do this or do that. And, and there, there's many different wisdoms. And so it's important for us to understand why God's wisdom is so important because this is the one wisdom that will never fail and that we must follow. And look at what... what Solomon will say. And this is right after he gives his introductory statement or his purpose statement of the book. Look what he says in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So God's wisdom, therefore, is so important for us to obtain because it is the only way by which we can obtain true wisdom. The only wisdom, as we read this morning in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of man is nothing compared to the wisdom of God. Now, and why is that? Well, it has to do with the character of God himself. God is all-knowing. And man is finite in their knowledge. God is the creator of all things. He understands how it all works together. 
But yet man is continually knowing and learning. And sometimes they are knowing and learning, but as Scripture tells us, there are many people who are learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because they are not relying on the wisdom that comes from God. How many of you have been to the doctor in 2022? How many of you think you'll go back to the doctor in 2023? Why? Well, because they haven't solved the problem in 2022, right? They're still learning. I heard one person say that medicine is the, the, only, the only field in which the professionals practice. They're still learning. It, it, it hasn't been perfected yet. And that is just indicative of, of the limits of the wisdom of man. But God's limits have no such wisdom. Or, I'm sorry, God's wisdom have no such limits. And as we look at the book of Proverbs, and we walk all the way through the book of Proverbs, we can see that Proverbs paints the pursuit of God's wisdom as a matter of life and death. It's not just a simple fact of, oh, I think that God's wisdom might be a little bit better than man's wisdom. No, following God's wisdom, Proverbs will tell us, Solomon will tell us, is a matter of life and death. One of the commentators that I was reading put it this way. He said, throughout the book of Proverbs, two paths are contrasted. On the one hand, there is the path of wisdom, which leads to life in all of its dimensions. And on the other hand, the path of folly leads to death in all of its aspects. So understanding and obtaining God's wisdom is not just a question of best practice. This is a question of life and death. And so it behooves us, therefore, to go after God's wisdom, to pursue God's wisdom, because this wisdom is so important. And you know, as we read through the book of Proverbs, you think of many of the Proverbs, they're, they're, they paint a contrast. They kind of have a, a, a saying that will give something in a positive light and then in a negative light. And this is a way that Solomon uses to contrast wisdom versus folly, righteousness versus evil. And so many of the Proverbs are set in a negative, positive contrast. Now as we look at the book of Proverbs, we see there are three categories of people, uh, generally, under which one can fall in the book of Proverbs. The first category is the wise. And as Solomon will describe, these are the people who love God's wisdom, who love God's law, who seek to know God's law and to follow it and give themselves to it. They always are learning more. And so we hear, as Solomon says in verse 5 of chapter 1, let the wise hear and increase learning. Another proverb says, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. So a wise person isn't simply someone who has all the answers, who knows everything. But they are the person who has fixed their heart and their mind on God and they are constantly looking and learning and seeking to know more. And you know, that is one of the marvelous things about God's word is no matter how many years you've studied God's Word. No matter how many years you've dug into God's Word, you can continue to go back and draw fresh water from that well. 
You can continue to go back and to learn new things about God. And so the wise person is the one who loves God's wisdom that's found in his word and that's given through his spirit. And then you have a second category of person. These are described as the simple. Now, the simple are ones who have not yet learned wisdom. They are often described as people who are young and impressionable. And you'll see throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll see Solomon say over and over, my son, my son, my son. He's looking at someone who has not yet obtained wisdom, who is impressionable, and he is seeking to instruct him. But unfortunately, it is not only the wise that seek to impart wisdom to the simple. There's also a third category that Proverbs categorizes as the fool. Now, the fool or the foolish are ones who refuse or hate God's wisdom. They see no value in it. And when we look back or we think back to the passage Pastor Brent read this morning in 1 Corinthians, it said, okay, the Jews, they look at the preaching of the cross. The, the Gentiles, that's foolishness. How would the king of all the earth, the Lord of all of creation, come and allow himself to be killed? How does that make any sense? And so those who are foolish, who refuse to recognize God and refuse to follow after his wisdom. And throughout the book of Proverbs, you'll see indications of these foolish people because they are described as evildoers. They're described as mockers. They're described as immoral people. Ones who refuse to bring their lives under the authority and the wisdom that comes from God. They say, no, actually, I think I have a better way. And in reality, we all do this. We all, at times, are, are tempted to follow after our own intelligence, our own wisdom. And we'll see later on, Solomon will give these instructions to us to lean on God's wisdom and not on our own. So as we look at three, these three categories of people in the book of Proverbs, you have the wise and the fool who are kind of bookends, and in the middle is the simple. And both the wise and the fool, they are personified as calling out to the simple one and saying, here, come to me. I will give you knowledge. I will give you instruction. Come learn from me and follow in my way. And in the same way today in our own society, there are many different voices calling out to us. There are many different seducing influences saying, come follow me. Come listen to me. Come live like me. All you have to do is turn on the television and watch the commercials. And you'll see those influences that call out to us. Live like this. Do this. Follow this. But yet, very few of the voices that we hear 
in our ears around us are following after God's wisdom. And so we dare not reject the wisdom that comes from God because the consequences are serious. Hold your fingers here in Proverbs and let's look over at Jeremiah chapter 17. Starting in verse 5. You say, well, what does it really matter? Okay, yes, I understand Solomon paints the picture of it being a matter of life and death. But Solomon is not the only one. Look at what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5, says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But now here's the contrast. Verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And then the Lord says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. So the Lord says, our hearts are desperately sick and twisted and wicked. So how could we possibly rely on our own understanding? The Apostle Paul picks up this same idea in Romans chapter 1. Another very familiar passage where Paul says this. He speaks about, after speaking about not being ashamed of the gospel because it reveals the righteousness of God, then in verse 18 he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. But look at what man, when he relies on his own wisdom, does with God's revelation. In verse 21, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, verse 22, they became, what? Fools. And we could go on through the rest of the chapter and read how that is fleshed out. And over and over we read, when they refuse the wisdom that comes from God, their foolish hearts become darkened. And over and over we read what it says in, in verse 24. Therefore God gave them up. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up. Verse 28, God gave them up to a debased mind. When we reject the wisdom that comes from God, the consequences of that rejection are catastrophic. We become self-deceived. 
We proclaim ourselves to be wise when in reality God says, you're fools. So it is important for us to follow after God's wisdom. Now how do we do that? How do we obtain the wisdom that comes from God? Let's go back to Proverbs and we're going to look now at chapter 2 because chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, will give us the answer to this question. And here's what Solomon says. He addresses it again to my son, to the simple, the one who is lacking understanding. He says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So how do we obtain God's wisdom. I think in this passage we see three ways. First of all, we prioritize it. Look at what he says in verses 1 and 2. If you will receive my words, if you will treasure them up, when we think of a treasure, we think of something that's valuable, something that, that we attach a certain value to. And, and anyone who has or finds a treasure usually goes to great lengths to protect and preserve that treasure. They give it priority. They treasure it. Pay attention to it. Look what he says in verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart. Lean your heart towards God, towards that. If we are going to obtain God's wisdom, it's not going to happen by accident. We have to make that a priority. It, do, it won't just come from getting up in the morning and say, okay, yeah, I know I should read my Bible, so I sit down, I read a chapter, and then I check off the list and say, okay, did it. We've got to prioritize God's wisdom. The second way we obtain God's wisdom is we pray for it. Look at verse 3. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, as we prioritize this, as we say, God's wisdom is so important, I need this, that leads us to pray. That leads us to say, I realize that this is beyond me, so I'm going to cry out to God and say, I need your wisdom. Show that to me. And in verse 6, we recognize that wisdom comes from God. The Lord gives wisdom. It's from His mouth that understanding comes. And so we pray for it. Flip over with me again to 1 Corinthians. We're going to look in chapter 2, starting in verse 10, which again highlights the fact that the wisdom of God is revealed to us. It comes from God himself. Paul says this, in 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 10, he says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit. And I love the way the NIV translate this phrase, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. But then in verse 14, Paul says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. And so as we pray and cry out to God, His Spirit will illumine our minds so that even as we read the words, because a natural man, an unsaved person, can open the Bible and read the Word of God, but without the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, he, he cannot understand it. He cannot grasp onto God's wisdom. So we must pray for it if we were to obtain God's wisdom. And finally, we must pursue it. Look at verses 4, specifically verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. I love the word pictures that Solomon gives. Seeking for something like silver Searching for it as for hidden treasure. When I was growing up, I loved watching the movies of, uh, of people, uh, uh, you know, going after treasure. They had, you know, the treasure map, and they're trying to figure out what what these markings on the map correspond to in life. And you know, they ultimately, after expending a lot of time and effort and energy and money, seize this treasure. And it's often a treasure that's beyond their wildest imagination. But they never would have gotten there if they had just sat home. They had to get up, they had to go out, they had to pursue it. So as we look through Proverbs 2, we see the way that we obtain God's wisdom is by prioritizing it, by praying for it, and by pursuing it. You know, I love the way that those, that Solomon puts those two together because on the one hand, we can't just pray for it and expect God just to drop it in our laps. But on the flip side, we can't just pursue it in our own strength without praying and depending upon God. So it's important to obtain God's wisdom, and Proverbs 2 gives us the key to do that. But finally, let's ask the third question. How and why should we pursue God's wisdom? And this is where we'll look in Proverbs chapter 3. Because Solomon gives us five ways with the accompanying reasons that we should pursue God's wisdom. And we'll go verse by verse and explain each one of these. First, we'll look at the first two verses. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So how and why do we pursue God's wisdom? First of all, we don't forget it. 
we, and this goes along with prioritizing it because if, if you have something that's not a high priority, you're likely to set it down somewhere, right? You're likely to forget what you did with it. But something that is of importance to you, you're going to keep watch over that. And Solomon says, do not forget this because this will bring you life. In all of the ways, length of days, years of life, peace. The idea of shalom, the wholeness, the fullness that God intended. This comes to us through God's wisdom. Secondly, in verses 3 and 4, he gives us a, a very similar admonition. He says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So how do we pursue God's wisdom? We don't forget it, and we don't let it slip away. We, we tie it up. We, we tie it to ourselves. He gives, again, this word picture so that there's no way it can get away. And why is this important? Because God's wisdom will bring favor with both God and man. When, when I read this verse, my mind immediately went to Luke 2.52. Where it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. As Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in favor, both with God and man. And this is exactly what Proverbs tells us. Verses 5 through 8 will give us the third reason, or the third way in which we pursue God's wisdom And that is to trust God's wisdom only and entirely. Of course, these are very familiar verses, but let's read them together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We trust in God's wisdom only and entirely. And again, this sometimes can be difficult because our natural bent, our natural tendency is to lean on our own understanding. And when we see this word trust, The idea means to rely completely upon, to depend on totally. And I've heard many times that people use the illustration of a chair. And you take a chair, and if I'm trusting in this chair, I'm going to sit, and I rest my entire weight on the chair. So that if the chair fails me, there's nothing else to grasp onto. But many times... If we're not relying entirely on the Lord, we spend our lives kind of doing this. Right? We kind of rest a little bit, but we've we've got other things to hold on to to prop ourselves up on in case God doesn't come through for us. But Solomon tells us, no, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Don't rest on, don't lean on, don't be propped up by your own understanding. Don't be wise, he says, in your own eyes. So if we truly value God's wisdom, we must, we must give ourselves wholeheartedly to it. 
And then in verses 9 and 10, he gives us another way. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. If we truly pursue God's wisdom, it's going to affect how we live. And specifically what we do even with our own finances. And so Solomon says, honor God with that. And the fact is, and he gives this promise, that as we honor God, God will honor those who trust in him. David himself said this. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Why? Does that mean that if we're righteous and if we're wise, we'll never go through hard times? We'll never experience difficulties? No. Jesus promised that we would have tribulations in this world. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God will honor. He will care for those who trust in him. And finally, in verse 11 and verse 12, we see the final way that we should, our reason that we should pursue God's wisdom, the way to do it. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And the author of Hebrews picks this up in Hebrews chapter 12. So the way I would say that is the way or how we pursue God's wisdom is that we don't despise it even when it hurts. Even when it doesn't make sense to us and following God's wisdom seems to lead us in, in a way that brings difficulty, that brings challenge. We don't despise that wisdom. We don't say, oh, I'm not going to follow. No, I, I, I'm going to go back to my own understanding. No, we follow that. And we understand that God, just as a father, corrects and trains a son so God does with us as his children. And so even when we face the difficult times, we must realize that God, God in his wisdom is correcting us, is training us, and that shows us his love for us. So as we go into the new year, into 2023, I want to encourage us as a body to prioritize, to pray for, and to pursue God's wisdom. Let us fill our hearts and our minds not with some version of worldly wisdom, and there are many versions of it. There are many voices that speak it to us. But might we pursue after God's wisdom that comes through his word revealed to us by his spirit so that we might not be as the foolish are, but that we might be wise by following after God who is the author of all wisdom. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, our God's source of wisdom. We fall before you and ask you, God, to 
fill our hearts and our minds with your wisdom in this new year. Lord, we do not want to go into a year leaning on our own understanding or trusting our own way. So Father, we ask that your spirit would guide us and direct us to pursue you and to live our lives according to your wisdom. Lord, not only so that we might reap the benefits for ourselves, but that we might accurately reflect who you are as the source of all wisdom and that we might draw others to you as they see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So Lord, might you be pleased to do this in our hearts this year for your glory, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.